0: welcome back once again we're gonna start with jonah chapter three this is part two we did part one now we're gonna do part two that's the way these things work all right and we left off with a question and the question was does god change his mind and doesn't that seem like a contradiction because after all as christians we claim that god doesn't change right we also claim that God knows everything. And I even made the claim in the last podcast that God already knew that he was going to save the Ninevites. So what is this all about? It looks like we have a contradiction here. And you may remember I gave you some scripture references to look at. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, 1 Samuel fifteen eleven, and also said to look up Psalm 102, 26, and 27. Very briefly, I still want you to go look those up on your own and read them. I'm not going to read them here and now. I'm just going to kind of give you a summary of what they mean. Uh, And you can go look it up and see if I'm right or not. Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 is basically the place in Genesis where it says that God repented that he made man. God was sorry that he made man. Another way you could think of that is that God was disappointed that he made man, man, that he changed his mind about making man. Be careful, be careful. I'm going to explain some things to you here. Let's look at 1 Samuel 15 verse 11. That's where, remember, Saul was made king over Israel and it says again that um, that God regretted that He made Samuel. I'm sorry that He made Saul king. It's in the book of First Samuel. So here again we have this idea that that God is somehow did He make a mistake? Um, God's supposed to know everything. Why would He be? Um, like changing his mind about Saul being king, if he already knew that Saul was going to uh, be living in disobedience and fail. And it looks like we've got contradiction going on here. And then, to top it off, you go over to Psalms 102, verse 26 and 27, and it says there that God does not change Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because we do have another case of it right here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. And these are the kinds of things that skeptics, those who are haters of God, they hate Jesus, and they hate his word. And now they may not say that. They may not even think that of themselves, but that is what the word declares about them. They hate God. They are dead in their trespasses and sin. They are skeptics and they do not have a love for his word. And I'll just go even further and say, deep down inside, they know the truth, but they deny the truth in unrighteousness, which is what it says in Romans. So let's talk about it. We're going to talk about the doctrine of immutability, the doctrine of immutability. And what is that big fancy word? What does that mean? Well, it means that God is unchanging. It means that he is unchanging in his holy character and his attributes. He is unchanging in his holy character and his attributes. But there are ways that God does, for lack of a better way to explain it in human terms, it does look like he changed or he may change things. You see, from our perspective, it may look like God has changed. But whenever you start to see it from God's perspective and how he has revealed himself in his word, you find a consistency and you don't find a contradiction. So, I want you to contemplate this doctrine of immutability as we look at God's changes. First change I want to talk to you about is God's change in an accommodation. Change in an accommodation. What does that mean? It's when God uses language such as when we read it in the scriptures, I am sorry that I have made man. I'm sorry that I made man. He what he is doing um, is an accommodation to us. God comes to our level and he uses language that we would understand. He is communicating to us in human language. So, again, that's. Uh, thought of as a change in accommodation. It's not that God has changed, but he is communicating with us on our level. Another example, and this isn't in my notes, but it's one of my favorites, where it says that God remembered Noah. Well, we read that and we go, well, what happened? Did God forget Noah? No, God did not forget Noah. But how would you describe, especially in... Uh, a Hebrew mindset using the Hebrew language, how would you describe that God was getting ready to move in Noah's favor? Which is really what it means. Well, we might say God remembered Noah, God was about to act on Noah's behalf. And here, when we read over in Genesis chapter 6, where it says, I'm sorry I've made man. He, God, is expressing himself to humans in a human language. The change in accommodation. Okay. Second, God's change in affirmation. Change in an affirmation. Well, What do I mean by that? God's repentance. You know, there are places in scripture where it says God repented. And we know that repent means to turn away from, to turn around. But God's repentance is not a change in his will. It is his willingness to allow us to change. See, remember that God knows everything in advance. He has foreknowledge and he is sovereign. And this does not mean that he does not care for his creatures. It does not mean that he has no emotions toward us. He acts in love toward those who are image bearers he acts in love towards those who are his own so a change in affirmation is again just to kind of recap it it's not a change in god's will but it is a way of god explaining his allowing us to change a change in affirmation Number three, a change, uh, God's change in an application. So we have accommodation, affirmation, and a change in an application. God's immutability, and that is the doctrine that says that he is unchanging in his character and his attributes. God's immutability does not mean that he is immobile. He is consistently Pursuing a righteous course. He responds differently to the wicked than he does to the righteous. He responds differently to Jonah in ways which appear to be um, in response to Jonah's saying yes or Jonah's saying no to the call. God deals with each of us according to the way that we are living. And he does this not because... um, He's changing in his character or his attributes, but again this really comes down to communicating on a level that we might understand. And think about this, as you think about God and his attributes and his character, he is holy, he is always good, he is never evil, he is always correct, he is never wrong, I've said this before you know God has never had a thought occur to him like a thought may occur to you or me he knows everything and everything that he knows he knows all at once he didn't learn these things over time so as you think about God's change in application again We are the created one. We are the creature. He is above and outside of his creation, yet he is coming down into creation to communicate with man. And I do hope that makes sense to you. These are deep subjects. These are complicated things, but they're easier to understand than you might think. Let your mind dwell on it. Continue to study God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you, and I believe that he will. And just remember, it may appear from our perspective that as he's dealing with Jonah, everything depends on whether Jonah says yes or no. No, it doesn't. Not even for a second. God knew the beginning from the end, and he knew he was going to save the Ninevites. As I've said at some point in the past, you know, God allows his people to participate And what he is already going to do. And so uh, just to kind of recap that again, I talked about a change in accommodation, a change in an affirmation, and a change in an application. Change in accommodation, change in an affirmation, and change in an application. (music) So we're going to press on now with truth number two. Remember, there are three truths in chapter three. We're calling it three in three. Number one, the first truth was God's call does not change. Now we're going to get into truth number two, which is the disobedience to the past call must be dealt with before you can move forward. Truth number two, disobedience to the past call must be dealt with before you can move forward. Since God's call does not change, that means that any disobedience on my part or your part, that's what has to change. That is what must change. You've got to deal with the sin of your past against God and your disobedience and You deal with that by confessing, repenting of it. Say, Lord, I'm going to turn away from that direction, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow the call that you placed upon me. Then number two, you've got to say yes. Yes begins now. Yes begins immediately. So number one, you've got to deal with your past sin, and you've got to deal with that uh, with God. Number two, you've got to say yes. Yes. Yes begins now. Yes begins immediately. Obedience is immediate. It is joyful and it is without complaint. I used to say that to my children and I go this far with it. Anything less than what I just said is not obedience. Obedience is immediate. It is joyful and it is without complaint. I said that in a Sunday school class once before, and I had uh, some folks um, really want to challenge me on that. And they said, well, you know, no, wait a second here now. You can obey, but not be joyful about it. You can obey, but you can still complain about it. And I stand by what I said. Anything less than joyful and without complaint Anything less than that is not true obedience because obedience is a condition of your heart. I'm reminded of the student who was uh, not wanting to sit down and the teacher finally gets the student to sit down and be obedient and sit down. and And the student says to the teacher, well, I'm sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. Well, see, that's not true obedience They've been forced to do something and they've outwardly done the correct thing, but their heart is not correct. And when we're talking about obedience to God, it is a condition of the heart. So it is joyful. It is without complaint. Remember the saints of years gone by who have gone to their death joyfully. Gone to their death without complaint, singing the praises of God as they're being taken to be burned at the stake or being thrown to the animals to be eaten and torn apart by animals. That was obedience to what God had for them to do. And it was joyful and it was without complaint. So Jonah does repent. And he commits to serve God. God saved him from certain death. And we've already talked about how that call was reissued. Or the word I've been using is that um, uh, recommissioning of Jonah. He dealt with his past disobedience. And he dealt with it by repenting of it. He Finally says, okay, yes, Lord, I will go. <clears throat> and he sets off now to fulfill God's call upon his life. He's now in a place where he can be used by God for God's plan, for God's purpose, and ultimately for God's glorification. Do you think that when Jonah was going through all the things that he was going through, that he ever thought that these events would be recorded in God's holy word, that it would be written down forever? Do you think that he ever imagined that a group of Gentiles would be sitting down and reading his story thousands of years after the fact, and that these Gentiles would be brought into a deeper understanding and a closer relationship with God because of Jonah and his life. I would say that Jonah had no idea. He had no idea the enormity of the call on his life. And so it's a little different with us today. The Bible is not continuing to be written. There is no additional, uh, what I would call, extra-biblical revelation. Your deeds are not going to be written down in God's Word and uh, be read by some future generation. But there still is an enormity of the call, the sense of urgency on your life from the call that God has placed upon you. So I've found in my life and in the lives of others, uh, people who I've counseled as I've looked at Scripture, that God's call remains the same until you obey it. It's not going away. And then after you have obeyed and after you've pursued God in that calling, uh, perhaps he'll have another call for you. He'll have another opportunity, something different. For you to do, or maybe it's just something additional and in, in, in already involved in what you're already doing. It's going to come into your life because God's call does not change, and you must deal with it appropriately. So, if you're in disobedience right now, you're hearing this, and you have run from the call of God, remember that God is faithful, He forgives. He's not changing and He has chosen you for His purpose and He's waiting. For lack of a better way to explain it in human terms, He's waiting. Not because He needs you, not because He can't get it done without you, but because He has chosen you and He has blessed you and He's given you this opportunity and He invites you. Indeed, He compels you To participate with him in the glorious work that he is going to do. Truth number three. So remember truth number one. God's call doesn't change. Call number two. You've got to deal with the past disobedience. Truth number three. Obedience to God's call brings salvation to you. And it brings salvation to others. It enables you to share his glorious gospel with others obedience to God brings salvation so we ought uh, to not obey God uh, you know just for the benefit that we receive Um, I obey God um, and it brings salvation I shouldn't obey God because Um, if I obey God, then salvation is going to come to others. Those aren't the reasons that we obey. Those are benefits. Those are blessings that we enjoy. But we obey simply because we belong to him. We are his. And he said to do it. And his children obey his voice. His children know his voice. So we're going to look at three people groups uh, that Jonah... Um, They enjoyed the benefits of Jonah's obedience. Um, The first person that I want to talk about um, is Jonah, his relationship with God. It was restored and Jonah was protected. And you can read about that in verses three and four. Let's take a look at um, verse four. I'm I'm just going to read verse four. Um, It's a short little verse that talks about a short little sermon. Verse four says, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What a sermon. <laughs> what a sermon. You've got forty days and your city's going to be overthrown. What's significant about that number forty? Well, we see the number forty throughout scripture. It's a number of testing. It's a number of completion in the Bible. How long did it take? Um, How long did it rain back on Noah's flood? Um, How long did the children of Israel wander in the wilderness? How many days did Jesus fast? And the answer to all of that is, of course, the number 40. It rained 40 days in Noah's flood. Um, How long did the children of Israel wander in the wilderness? Well, they wandered for 40 years. How many days did Jesus fast? The number is 40. So, Remember what we talked about with the Ninevites, they were terribly mean, they were wicked, they were nasty people, and Jonah may have been frightened as we talked about before, but um, I want you to get an idea of how huge this city is. It's large enough that if you're traveling probably by foot, you know, walking through the city. it takes three days to get from the city gate to the other end of the city and he may have been afraid but you know what after being swallowed by a well i would think you know what anything you need have in store for me it's not going to compare to what i've just been through so i believe that jonah had great faith in god Um, he knew that god was going to take care of him and he knew That um, no matter how big the city was, no matter how big the fish was, he knew that God was in charge and God was going to take care. And that message, you know, what a sermon, yet 40 days and then of us shall be overthrown. So how would you like to have that assignment? How would you like for that to be the calling of your life? Um, You know, I... I can't imagine that being the call on my life. But, you know, he marched through that mean, violent, evil, wicked, nasty city. And he um, he proclaimed the truth of God. And you know what? No one laid a finger on him. And how could that possibly be? Well, I believe it's because God protected him. Um, And now there is some evidence that would support that the people of Nineveh worshipped a fish god or a fish goddess, the, um, I guess, wife of the fish god, um, Dagon, I think was the god's name. And that um, when they saw Jonah being literally vomited out um, from a fish, that they were um, apt to listen to him. Um, And, of course, God knew that. God knew all of that. And I would imagine that um, after you spend three days in the belly of a whale with the seaweed wrapped around your head and all the other stuff we talked about, that you probably didn't look too good. What did did Jonah look like whenever he was basically walking out of fish vomit on the dry land? We can only speculate. The scripture doesn't say But it is interesting to note. the point is this, regardless of the situation and circumstances that caused it to be, God kept his hand on Noah and he protected him. Number two, a second group, and that is the individuals were transformed. Well, what individuals? These mean, evil, wicked Ninevites were transformed by Jonah's message. You know, if you read verses 5 through 9, it's an unbelievable thing and an amazing thing that happened. Um, I've heard people describe this as revival. I don't really like the word revival, but you could think of it that way if you wanted to. It broke out, as people might say. The Bible is clear that they believed God. They proclaimed a fast. The king proclaimed a fast. When you read this about being dressed in sackcloth and ashes. It's an uh, an outward sign of humility. Uh, And the king commanded for it to all be done through the entire city. And he was saying, you know what? Who knows what God may do? Now think of this. These were Gentiles. These were Gentiles responding to God's word. I would also encourage you, we're not going to go into it here now at this time but go read matthew chapter 12 verse 41 and go read luke eleven thirty-two, 32 and see what the bible says there about this particular event in scripture you know the king's decree even included it even included the animals no one's going to eat no one's going to drink we're calling a fast we're going to cry out to yahweh god together. And then the last people group, not only were the individuals saved, but the city on the whole was saved. So you have salvation coming to Jonah, his relationship to God is restored, salvation of the individuals in the city, and salvation of the city as on the whole, as I like to say. You know, It's amazing to me when you look at this story and you see God's love and his mercy for Gentiles. For Gentiles in a time before Christ. What is it called when God withholds what we deserve? It's called mercy. And mercy was a part of Jonah's prayer, remember? He said that they forsake their own mercy. It's interesting. It means that they had false gods that they worshipped. But the one true God is the one who gives mercy. That is, he withholds what we deserve. And then it says, and we talked a lot about this already, God relented from the disaster which he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. The whole city was saved. And it was because one man obeyed. One man responded to the call of God upon his life in obedience. So how many benefits and blessings can you think of that come from God's, from obedience to God's command. How many blessings do you think we have enjoyed because of Jonah and his obedience? Can you list some of those blessings that you have in your own life because you obeyed God? Who has been impacted in your life because you obeyed God, in their life because you obeyed God? And the question is, Has God ever called you? Is he calling you? I hope that you say yes. So dear Christian, that wraps up Jonah chapter three. And as I always say, I hope it has been a blessing to you. I hope I've made some sense to you. And I hope I've given you some things to think about and to go back and study in your own time. Until the next podcast, God bless you.